0: Tandem Nomads, episode 25 to really be aware of what's going on around you and to live in the moment and to not think so much about the past or the future, but try to embrace what's right in front of you um, while still being kind to yourself. Welcome to
1: Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello Nomad Nation, this is Emel Deregui and today I'm very happy to present to you our featured guest, Leah Ivans. Leah, are you ready for the ride? I sure am, thank you. Leah has been living abroad for the last... Eleven years. She lived in Tbilisi, Quito, Kiev. Now she lives in Asuncion, Paraguay with her husband and four kids. Leah has a master's degree in liberal studies and a master's in elementary education, and while relocating from a country to another, she created the company After School Plans that provides resources, classes, and tutoring to expat children. Those resources include, for example, a relocation workbook, which is a fun workbook to help children process in transition and she has many other educational packages so the plans are great level ideas for supporting education at home so leah this was a very very short overview of who you are can you tell us more and tell us what's happening in your
0: life today sure um i have been living abroad for 11 years and had my children while living abroad so now i have four they're ten eight um six and four And, uh, I started the, the business really to fill some of the holes that I found for my own children. And one of those is, I think the hardest time for all kids when they're moving is, is the transitions, um, in this lifestyle. And so the, the kids on the move, a relocation workbook was an attempt to have, a a way to formalize the moving system and talk through the different aspects of it so that kids would be comfortable and know what was coming and um, also say goodbye and get excited about their new posts. Mm -hmm. And then also we're from the United States and there's not a lot of American history when you're abroad. So I started creating American history boxes because I was an American history teacher. And so international schools provide wonderful history resources but not specific to our country Mm. and so I've been selling those boxes to other families for the last two years.
1: This is amazing
0: so there's so many things I want to know about you. Okay, (laughs)
1: Uh, I want to know more about after school plans how it started but maybe first you can tell me also how you got into this journey of uh, moving from a country to another. How did it start?
0: Well, I met my husband in Washington, D.C. when he was in the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University. So that was the first indicator that perhaps we would be living abroad. (laughs) And while he was, while we were dating, he took the Foreign Service exam and was accepted. And so we had long talks about it, but I was actually very excited from the very beginning because I, my, my mother actually grew up in the Foreign Service. My grandfather was in the, in the Foreign Service. So I had grown up hearing these wonderful stories about her adventures abroad, and I wanted to have some of them myself. And my husband is very persuasive, and he loves adventure and exploring, and so um, he made me excited as well. And so we decided to do it, and, and we haven't looked back since. Well,
1: we never came back home.
0: No, we haven't been back to the U.S. in 11 years. We've gone back for short periods of training, but we've been abroad most of that time. So can you take
1: us from which country to another and how it was for you?
0: Sure. (laughs) Our first country was Tbilisi, Georgia. And um, that's, I had my first daughter before we actually arrived there. So I had to deal with, um, for the first time, not working, which was difficult, and having a new baby, which was wonderful. But she was, she was tiny. And so I was at home alone, um, with somebody who really couldn't use words when speaking to me. (laughs) And my husband was working long hours and I had a really tough transition there, um, getting used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there we went to Quito, Ecuador, which I absolutely loved. And by then I was a little bit more used to my entire situation. Um, and we spent two years there and then we were in Kiev, Ukraine, uh, for three years. And during that time, we were actually evacuated because of the protests yeah. and the, the the problems with Russia. Okay. And then we came here to Asuncion, which I also think is wonderful. And, you know, I've loved all of my posts for different reasons. And I think most people will say that there are always, there's good things and bad things about everywhere you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely, definitely. This is like an exciting journey. It must be very interesting to be there and, and to dif- discover a lot of very different cultures, actually. Maybe maybe Ukraine has some similarities with Georgia, but they still have a lot of differences. You should not tell them that. Right,
0: right, right. right. <laughs> and then you have South Well, they America. both were having problems with Russia while we were there, oh. so that was one similarity. But, <laughs> um, but they're ancient cultures. They're, they have just incredible things to see that you don't hear about that much because, yeah. you know, they're not as mainstream, but... And, and so you get to these countries and you find, you know, thousand year old churches and, and it, it blows your mind. You can't believe it. And they're beautiful yeah. um, and great travel opportunities. And the other wonderful thing about a lot of these countries is there aren't a lot of tourists. So you can, it's easy to explore and to learn.
1: It's really beautiful. I love Tbilisi. Uh, that's the only. Have thing you ever. been? Uh, yeah, it's
0: just absolutely beautiful. It yeah. is, and the food is, is amazing. And there are so many places you can drive. The countryside is beautiful, and they're famous for their hospitality. So yeah. you gain a lot of weight while you're there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely. So t- tell me, before you started uh, traveling and moving around with your husband and then started your family, have you? Where were you living in Ohio?
0: No, I was actually, I grew up in Ohio on a, on a small organic farm with hippie parents, really. Um, But I was living in Washington, D.C., and I was a teacher and a potter. I made pottery um, and sold them, sold it at shows. I've kind of been all over the place um, in terms of what I do. So, uh, but I loved it, and I loved Washington and all the different people who come through. Okay. Um, But I was teaching uh, American history at the time.
1: Okay, so you were teaching and doing pottery. Right. Okay. Great. So, how did this idea start of building? Well, I was plans? in
0: Tbilisi, and oh, um, the embassy asked me to teach American history to high school students because American history is a requirement for graduation from most American schools, and it's also usually a requirement uh, for entering college or university. And these children had been abroad for a long time and hadn't had the the, the course, so I taught the course. Uh, and, and it was great fun because they all came to my house and we made brownies and we mm-hmm. talked about American history basically. Awesome. and But I realized there was a huge gap because these kids who live abroad had amazing knowledge of the world and of languages and cultures and, and ability to navigate a, a wide variety of situations. They had compassion and empathy and and really had a great world experience, but they didn't know who Rosa Parks was. Rosa Parks is a is an important figure in our history. She's the one who... Uh, refused to give up her seat on the bus. She was African American mm. uh, during segregation. Or you know they didn't know Martin Luther King Jr. Or they didn't know the Pledge of Allegiance, which is what many school children say at the beginning of each day. So just a lot of the things that um, the, the the cultural knowledge that you would get if you had in the United States. Yeah. And so I wanted to. I, I At first, I thought, I well, I will just teach it wherever I am. But I thought. Some people don't have access to American history teachers. So that's when I decided to put this box together. And so I found the best books I could find um, about each of the major concepts and pulled all of those together into a box. I found fun games like Americopoly. Monopoly is a very popular game. (laughs) It's about America. And and so I tried to find award-winning games and award-winning books, so Mm -hmm. books and games that kids would really want to work with. And then I wrote an activity book to go along with them. So that's how kids learn the concepts. They read the books, they play the games, and then they complete the activity book. This is so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, And and then I tested it on all my children. And um, the, the great thing, I think, about it is that then you have these, a lot of them are Newbery Award winners or... Um, they've won other prizes. So they're really high-quality books, and you can read them over and over again. Mm. So it's not like a course that you take and then you're done with. You have the books in your house, and you know kids love to be read, to, and, and order to go off and read on their own. And so it's, it's just a part of your daily life. That's really cool. And the, the games are often games that the whole family can play together or they can play with friends. So it, it's teaching them the concepts and then hopefully reinforcing them through regular exposure. Oh.
1: Really good. It's really a great idea because I was wondering if it, basically you, you pick and choose all the great materials you find and make right. a, a, like a, a pedagogic box that helps right. you know have fun and learn at the same time, which is I guess right. one of the best ways of learning is to have right. fun while we do it. Right. So wow, this is great. So if you're in, in a networking party and and you meet with people uh, abroad and they ask you what do you do, what's your response?
0: I say that I create and, and sell um, resources for expat kids, including American History Boxes and um, relocation resources like our um, Kids on the Move Relocation Workbook.
1: Wow. That's straightforward. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, for expat partners, one of the challenges is to build their financial security and and their revenue. Um, tell us about your revenue streams. How do you earn income?
0: Well, I do think that this is a big issue because when you're moving every, if if you're moving frequently or you're living in a place where it's hard to find a job, um, you have to kind of create your own space. And so I do have Revenue Stream. It's not a ton, but from selling my books, those are online. um, And actually, there's several. The Relocation Workbook, I sell a couple of coloring books um, on American history and um, one on American embassies. And so that... Is I have to keep advertising for it, but um, it, they've been doing pretty well. And then the American History boxes, people order them, and, and I send them out all around the world. And um, and so it's it's nice because I can do it no matter where I am. If we're home on vacation, I just need my computer. Mm. And so it's it's pretty consistent and um, continues all throughout the year. You
1: also told me that you edit. Uh, you're an editor.
0: Yes, I I love books, so that's why I've created a few. But I've also worked. Um, On editing books. One is called Raising Kids in the Foreign Service. Mm -hmm. My husband's in the Foreign Service. And so I collected, there are 33 different authors. So they each wrote a chapter that they were on something that they knew about. Becky Grappo, who was on a a podcast with you previously, Mm -hmm. did one of them and on schools uh, for children abroad, which is a wonderful chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, People wrote chapters on acquiring a second language, special needs when you live abroad, um, what to do when you're traveling. Um, staying safe. Um, this being a single parent while living abroad, uh, when both parents work, um, mindfulness. Jody Harris is a is a wonderful. Um, she has a business, a coaching business, and she talks about mindfulness. So a lot of really great chapters in there. Yeah. And we we'll talked in- with Jodie Harris last week. She's going to be Did on the you? show too. <laughs> oh, wonderful, and she's she's. Would, I, I will absolutely listen to it. Um, mm. And then we're working on a book right now. It's called "A Cup of Culture and a Pinch of Crisis." It's a bunch of people, and it's not just foreign service. It's lots of different writers writing about um, surviving crises abroad, while as it relates to food. This is really interesting. Could you tell us what's the name of this book again? It's called The Cup of Culture and a Pinch of Crisis. Um, And it's, um, so there are stories about, like I wrote about when we were in Kiev, Ukraine and we were evacuated and I talk about how I was cooking borscht and going out to buy all the the ingredients along with everybody else in the city. Um, and so I'm kind of weaving that through. And there are a bunch of other, uh, there are there just wonderful essays where people talk about the meaning of food in terms of home in a way and how it affects their experiences?
1: Very interesting. So the cup of culture, right?
0: Yes. And that will come out in, um, in the summer. Okay. In, in June or July.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's go back to your tandem. Um, I want to know more about your family and and how you managed to move all together, and how it's, how did you support each other in each move? Uh, your well, that's a wonderful you, question
0: because yeah. the first time was difficult. The second time, I I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I had small children. I had three small children. They were one, three, and five, I think. And I I was so concerned about how I was going to transition and how I was going to get everything packed up and how I was going to make sure I had. Checked all the boxes, and we got on the airplane. And I realized we hadn't said goodbye to um, this officially. Said goodbye to the school and to some of our friends. You know, we had had our parties and what have you. And the kids were kind of confused. And that's when I started working on my book because I thought you need to really have closure. Mm -hmm. And so now what we do is we sit down as a family, and this is all in the book. And we make the list of people, places, and things we want to say goodbye to. Mm. And each person picks three of their favorite places. And we decorate little tiny stones that we've brought from Ohio, which we consider our home. And we go and we put them there. So, you know, for my kids, it's often the playground. And they'll go hide a stone, you know, under a a tree somewhere. Um, Or in our house, they'll find a little... Nook or cranny, where they can put their stone, um, so it's we're leaving a part of ourselves behind that's how we talk about it mm. and then for and then we take pictures of all of it. so we pick the people, places and things we go and we say goodbye statue. We loved coming to visit you. We're, we're leaving. And now but first we're going to take a picture of all of us in front of you. And then as we're walking away, we say goodbye statue, goodbye statue. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really helped us with, with the saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. But then we also try to really embrace the move and get excited about where we're going. So at the same time, we, um, are researching where we're going and making lists of what we're going to do when we get there. So we have something to, to latch on to. Mm-hmm. And for my kids, that's, we've got to find the best ice cream place in town and we've got to find a really good park and we've got to find a place to do gymnastics. So we make those lists and then we get there. It's, it feels like a scavenger hunt. And, um, and then the third part of it, I think, which is also very important is the actual move and making sure that everybody understands the process and it's not scary and, And, um, unknown. And so we have family meetings once a week as we're going up to that move and we make plans and kids have responsibilities so that they're a part of it. And, you know, for my youngest son, his responsibility was to decorate the boxes. So he went around with the crayons and scribbled on all of them. But but it it, it got, kept him involved and it gave him a sense of, of power over the move, I think. Well, in a lot of these ideas, I need to say they're not necessarily mine. They've been adapted. But, you know, I've been around amazing people uh, who have gone through a lot more moves than I have. And so it's kind of a, a collection of, of everything that I've learned from the people who have gone before me.
1: That's really great. I really like your ideas, you know, of, um, of you. involving the kids and, and having a sort of a ceremony, you know, when, yes. you, when you leave and – and when you arrive, when- you know, so this is really, really great at involving the kids and making them part of the process of the
0: move. And I- and it, it brings you closer as a family too, because you're working together yeah. for the, for a common goal.
1: Wonderful. Um, I was wondering, because you were talking about how important for you it is to help your kids. And I guess even for adults, it's important to go through the transition. Uh, mm-hmm. but what happened when you had to suddenly leave and be evacuated from Kiev? Because that must have been like, Really abrupt. So, how do no, you do it that? wasn't
0: that fast. Actually, okay. uh, we, you know, it had been going on for months, uh, and then we were told to stay in our apartments for about three or four days. And so, we knew it was probably coming. We we didn't have to leave, but we they asked us if we would leave just because they weren't sure about the police situation at the time. And for all of us, interestingly, it wasn't like a regular move in that we were so concerned about. Ukraine, because it was the country that we lived in and had come to love and, and we cared about the people and we cared about what they were fighting for. And we had been following it for a long time. And so it was interesting because the anxiety was directed outward and not as much towards ourselves. And to to a degree, there was a sense of abandoning the country, you know, in time of need, like we should stay there. Um, but you know, we were extremely well cared for by the embassy, and, and most families were leaving just because of the uncertainty, and it was actually only two weeks that we were gone. I see. Okay.
1: And, oh, so you came back then? We did come back. Oh, okay. So how, how long it, did you, you stay know, there? Ukraine,
0: I don't know how much you followed the, the the situation, but Ukraine, they just they just pulled it together. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they lost their the head of state, and they, they really pulled it together very quickly. They were focused and... and just really good people.
1: (laughs) I experienced it as it was a very intense time, Um, but the only thing we had was media. I don't know if how you can, what can you tell us about that situation?
0: Well, it was interesting because the media showed the protests and the the, um, Molotov cocktails and and the shooting. And what was most interesting for me is that most of the city went on as normal, People still went to work and still cooked for their families and still, you know, repaired the roofs and did did things that people do normally. And so the media is down where it looks chaotic and people would call me and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're still there," and we would say, "But most of the city is is normal." Mm. Um, and Uk- Ukrainians are just very stoic. They're very focused. They do what needs to get done. And the people who were protesting were were making their point and everybody else was supporting them. Some of them weren't, of course, but, um, going about their regular lives. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of anxiety for, for the people. Many students were in the, in the groups who were protesting. So a lot of concern for them, but people would go down to show support. And so on the weekends, the, the area was full of children and women and, um, families, you know, saying, Hey, you guys are doing a great job. So it was, it was very much a, a group
1: effort. No, that's great. Well, thank you for for sharing this with us Mm because I I love being able to speak with expat partners and expats in general and ask them their opinion once they're in the middle of of the action because it's difficult to really know what's happening if you only listen to the media. It has a bit of a how do you say, uh, a drama effect. And I guess it's important to educate ourselves on what's really happening. So, yeah. Okay. So you've been in a lot of different countries. They're culturally, like I said before, very, very varied. I'm sure that America is quite different also from those countries. So have you had any culture shock or culture (laughs) misunderstandings? Could you give us an example, for instance?
0: Sure. I mean, I think they happen all the time, but... um, one that, that leaps to mind is when I, I was in Ukraine and I was pregnant and I went to the doctor and, uh, I went in and there were the four doctors standing there and the, the curtains were open and, and they said, okay, get undressed. And in America, they give you yeah. a blanket and everybody yeah. leaves and it, your privacy is very protected. <laughs> and it wasn't any of that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I thought I was very open. I thought, I, but I'm a little, and I was like, are you going to close the curtains? And I'm like oh, people almost never walk by and like almost never or never. <laughs> so, um, and they were just like, "What does matter with her? Why is she so worried about this? so you know that that was one that kind of kind of got me um but I, f- I feel like a lot of times it happens with language when you think you're saying something and, and you're not or they say something and you know, what did you say, and it's just because you don't understand it so so what's your it, it so
1: mean, what's your trick to be able to you know rebalance things when you go through those misunderstandings and do well, about? I think
0: you have to laugh and you know i i always, I'm always saying, I, I'm sorry, I don't speak this language very well. And I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. And but you know, I have found that no matter what country I'm in, people are understanding and, and they're willing to laugh with you. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you managed in those countries to build like connections with locals?
0: Yes, I've got I have great friends in all of these countries. And I think that's one of the best parts of, mm-hmm. of living abroad. Um, because it does every time you're together, you do have to be aware of cultural differences and, and, and you're always learning. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky to live in, in amazing countries where people are very open and warm and, and generous mm-hmm. and take, you know, there's always been somebody who's taken me under the ring and shown me the, all the wonderful secret places that make a country what it is. Yeah. And, 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 uh, yeah, I have a great friend here right now. Who's I, I tell her what I want to do. I want to go see, and she'll say, "No, no, 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 no. You need to come with me." Mm-hmm. And then you discover so much that way. So great.
1: How do you manage to build connections with locals? Because sometimes it's very easy to stay in our bubble and among <laughs> expats.
0: Like right. It's it's very true. Um, for me, a large part of it is my children go to the French school here, and and, and they always have. So the the international schools often. have yeah people from all over the world, but the French school often has a lot of locals because it's, it's much cheaper than international schools. And so I've always found my friends there wandering around the playground or you know, drop, at drop-off. And if somebody's even slightly kind to me, I latch onto them and keep trying to be friends. And that seems to work if you're, if you're persistent. And and nice, I think it really...
1: You seem to really enjoy your time abroad. It seems to be very easy for you to adapt from a country to another, but have you had... What was your toughest moment living abroad? Well, you
0: know, it's easy to sound that way. I have... um, I I struggle a lot in a lot of ways, and I love it, but sometimes I feel like, oh, it's so hard. Um, But, you know, when you're you're talking about it, you tend to focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. But... And I've had those, especially, I think, in the first four months at a new, in a new country, I find, I find those four months very difficult because I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody knows me. I, you know, I keep having those cultural issues where I'm sticking my foot in my mouth and I don't know that I am. And, and, and that's really hard. And I have to remember to be kind to myself in those first four months. And it, 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 I remember several of those times, especially when we first got to Ukraine and, And I was having a really hard day with my children and they didn't want to be there and they just wanted to go home and why are we here in this country and we don't have any friends and why aren't you finding us friends? And so I took them to McDonald's because I thought, you know, I don't have much Russian but surely (laughs) I can order ice cream cones for everybody in (laughs) Russian at McDonald's and if I can't, I can point to the pictures. (laughs) And I was waiting in line and I finally get up there and I'm like, okay, who wants what kind? And so they all tell me and I turn to the guy and I'm trying to speak in Russian. I'm trying to explain it and he's just looking at me blankly and so I tried different words and... He just keeps staring at me and the kids are like, why isn't he getting us the ice cream cones? And then finally he says, so you're telling me you want ice cream? <laughs> I'm like, why don't you start with the English? And, and I cried. I was sitting there crying at McDonald's because the man wasn't, you know, was not letting me make a fool of myself. <laughs> but, and then you forget about it because then you kind of get that give and take and you understand that they're not, that he probably was trying to understand me and he was, wasn't being mean at all. Hmm. Um, he was trying to understand my Russian, even though he had heard my English and, mm-hmm. and, and you become more forgiving of other people and of yourselves. And I think that if, if I could start that earlier, perhaps I would have a better transition.
1: Yeah. You start what earlier? You, <laughs> the okay. forgiveness part forgiveness, where I
0: don't, okay. I don't f- feel like a fail. I feel like a failure for the first four months because it's, you're trying to figure everything out again. Mm. Um, and to understand that that's just what it is and that it's not a reflection of yeah Those four your months
1: capability. Can, yeah, are very strategic. I think we have to be patient with ourselves, I guess. And, right. And um, it's it's quite interesting. It's good that it's four months. I, th- I find it, in my cases, sometimes even longer than four
0: months. <laughs> it's true. I think maybe four to six, sometimes a year. You know, it yeah. depends on... How different it is, and where you are, and yes, it's hard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then you and then you fall in love with your country, and you can't believe that you ever had a hard time or didn't understand exactly. things. And and then when you have to leave, you're heartbroken. I mean, it just keeps
1: happening to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was the biggest change you had to do in your life?
0: Well, it was probably was the first time we went abroad. I thought it would be easier because I had done a lot of traveling, but it was so different. And you know, and I think living in America and. and I was, you know, I was working. I was independent. I could do anything. I could talk to anybody. I was, I was capable and strong. And then you go abroad, and I couldn't talk to people, and I didn't understand, and I couldn't find basic things. I, I remember going to a store to to get scotch tape. Do you know what scotch yeah, tape? Yeah, yeah. And trying to again and to speak in Russian, and, and it just and I couldn't. I didn't know the word for tape, so I'm trying to explain what tape is, and I'm acting it out, and I'm like pretend taping things and they're just looking at me, they're like, I have no idea what you want. And I went back and looked it up in the dictionary and it was scotch. Yeah. And if I would have just said scotch tape instead of, and, and so that sort of thing, when you can't even buy scotch tape, mm-hmm. it was so difficult. Um, so that was probably the hardest, mm-hmm. the hardest thing I've, I've gone through. And, and, but it made me a lot stronger and it made me a lot more empathetic.
1: Yeah. What was the change about this? Because, you know, because we have to adapt a lot in terms of culture, but we as human beings are beings of habits, you know, and I think right. we are, we are like challenged when you live abroad in our human tendency of looking for habits and we constantly have to disrupt that. So, um, this is why I, I usually ask the question because I'm very interested in, um, how many habits can we keep and, uh, right. how, which are the ones that we can keep and which are the ones that we have to accept to change.
0: So. Well, I think a lot of it is is your definition of yourself mm-hmm. every time you are moving you you have to you have to expand your definition of yourself mm. because when I was home in the United States and I knew what everything was and i I identified myself as capable and strong and independent and then to go abroad and i 'd have to find a new way to to, to meet those um, Those descriptions. How do you think you benefited from living abroad? I think it's it's taught me a lot more about adaptability and flexibility and um, mindfulness to to step outside and to to notice what's going on around me and to um, and to not judge to, to to give it time to see what's happening and to be flexible about what I see and what I feel and And then, to adapt so that my way is not the right way, it's just one way, mm. and that all of that has to come together in order to be happy in a place thats that's unfamiliar
1: What would be your biggest advice for tandem nomads to make the best out of our experience abroad?
0: I think my biggest advice would be to be kind to yourself and to and to practice mindfulness so to to really be aware of what's going on around you and to live in the moment and to not think so much about the past or the future, but try to embrace what's right in front of you um, while still being kind to yourself. Because it, it gets better and you get, um, you, you understand more and, and you'll learn so much about yourself and about the world.
1: What does it mean to you, be kind to yourself? Because this is a very important notion that I love, but I think that it, sounds, it can sound very like um, vague. Yes, it but. does. And,
0: and I think it's that internal dialogue of, I, I can't speak the language, I can't do anything. You, you have to turn that and say, uh, look at me, I'm, I'm trying to learn a new language. Um, a lot of people don't do that. And, and I just went out and tried to find Scotch Tape. In a, in a place where I don't speak the language and that was brave, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to turn those, the, the negative comments into positive, very to good. see the positive in yourself.
1: Very good. I love that. You know, it's very important to appreciate ourselves for the efforts right. we do. And we're a right. bit like kids, you know,
0: <laughs> Yes, we yes, need to true. be
1: pepped a bit <laughs> once in a while when we go through challenges that, listen, this is, you're doing good, you know, Right, yeah, wonderful. Oh, so before we say goodbye, I would love to go through the spinning round with you. Okay. Great.
0: So what are your plans for the two coming years? In the two coming years, I'd like to, to publish, edit and publish two more books. I have them planned and in, 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 in the works. Good. And do you have an
1: internet resource uh, that you find useful in your nomadic life besides Skype?
0: Well, I do love Skype, but <laughs> I also really like YouTube for finding the cultural connections and, and keeping my kids abreast of, of what's going on in the United States. And of course, Facebook for keeping in touch with friends all around the world. Yeah.
1: You've been recommending your book, *The Cup of Culture*, um, after after school plans. Is there any other book you think that would be useful to tandem nomads? In
0: well, you've already had Jody Harris online, but I did her expat activity book, and I thought it was a huge help um, for transitioning to a new country. It's called *The Expat Activity Book*, and it's written by Jody Harris. Very great. And so, what is the best way to find you, Leah? Well, I have a website. It's called After School Plans. So you find it at www.afterschoolplans.com. Well, thank
1: you so much, Leah. You've, I love listening to your great positive messages. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing all this with us.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm thrilled to have found your site as well. And I'm looking forward to listening to many more podcasts and, and sharing some of the great ones. If you are an
1: expert partner traveling and moving from a country to another with your family, and if you would like to join and chat and communicate with other Other expat partners around the world and support each other in the challenges of relocation, go to facebook.com and join the Facebook group Tandem Nomads.